Welcome back to the Content That Grows podcast. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Tara Robertson. Tara is Bitly's Chief Marketing Officer. She manages all marketing matters for the company, creating and communicating the value for the Bitly Connections platform for users. Before Bitly, Tara held roles at Teamwork, Sprout Social, and Hotjar. Today, we're going to be talking about creating a vision and strategy for a marketing team and then building a team to support it. Tara, thanks so much for joining today. Excited to chat. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Excited. Yeah, so uh, you know, you may have noticed in the intro um, that uh, Tara worked at Sprout Social. So I uh, actually had the privilege to uh, work with Tara for a couple years. Uh, we overlapped at Sprout. Uh, we're both on the marketing leadership team together. So excited to um, chat. Um, you know, having um, seen her go on to be uh, uh, head of marketing at Teamwork. Uh, where we at as 10 speed uh, worked with teamwork and Tara's team there and then uh, are now also working with bitly so I had a chance to work with Tara in, in multiple capacities and and really just excited to to dig into this topic um, so Tara I think to to start would love to have you just walk us through like how do you go from day one in a company when you come in to having leadership and the marketing team aligned on the path forward such a great question and one I think, a lot of people generally are looking to ask and to lean in and learn around. So the first thing I would say is while, while Nate and I worked together at Sprout Social, our CMO at the time, Jamie Gilpin, when I gave my notice and was moving on to my first job as a CMO, sent me a book called The First 90 Days. And it is absolutely a book that I would recommend anybody read and pick up if you are starting a new role where it walks you through a bit of a framework for how to tackle a new job or new opportunity. Uh, the thing I loved the most about that is I took that framework and I actually typically tend to couple that with the same framework I would use for customer research and really starting to understand how you pull together qualitative and quantitative insights to understand patterns and to start to put together a vision for how you can, you know, build things that will convert, which is what we love to do as marketers. Uh, and so the most important part is that your first 30 days in that framework are what, what someone call a listening tour. It's spending time coming in and no matter what your experience, what brands you've worked on or how comparable they may be, you really don't know what you're walking into and don't mm -hmm. really have a good perspective until you can start to learn. And the people that work with you that you're coming in to serve or to work alongside they have had some experiences and certainly results and certainly have insights that they can help share with you. And so what I try to do is partner that listening tour in with a, a process I would use for garnering qualitative insights, where I ask essentially everybody the same five questions, both on the marketing team, so the full team that I'm coming in and working alongside and serving, and then also the global leadership team or the leadership team that you're working with. Uh, same types of five questions, slightly different because the audience is different. And the process that I go through is in those interviews, ask everyone those questions, but really take a ton of notes. Don't mm -hmm. respond. Don't really react. Just ask them the questions and then step back and consume. And then once I'm done with all of those, I take them, put them into a spreadsheet and parse through to find the patterns. And what's so fascinating is that you'll then start to notify or, or see some trends between what you're hearing on the marketing team and what you're hearing with the leadership team. In partnership with that as a marketer, we're also going in and looking at your competitive research, your market intelligence, 
what's happening with the product. How are you driving your overall KPIs and performing? And it's taking all of those things and essentially merging them together to come up with a top line strategy. So now the next part, when you get into post 30 days, it's a lot of work of just consuming and then parsing and then finding patterns. The next step, which I think is where a lot of people tend to almost not necessarily fall down, but forget the importance is to start to communicate those findings. Mm -hmm. And so days 60 to days 90 is really about spending time in telling people, this is what you said, this is what I heard, this is what I'm seeing. And what you're doing then is connecting together the insights that you're finding with the voice of the customer, which in turn tends to be your people or the people that you're working alongside to help them really understand that vision of how it comes together. That's what gets you the buy-in to then get into your next 90 days, which is really prioritization around execution and focus. And so I think it's, you know, no matter what, really spending that time up front when you're thinking about how do you build a leadership team? How do you build a strategy? How do you build a, a vision? by helping people understand what they're saying, what they're hearing, what those patterns are, and then your why, which then gets people aligned behind you and also starts to build the buy-in that you need to start moving quickly and with agility. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It's a great framework. And I think um, a couple of things you said that stood out to me. One is I think it can feel uh, for a lot of people like, oh, I've seen this before I know I know what to do like I know the playbook that works so you know you mentioned that like even if it does seem very similar it's just not like the CEO is different leadership team is different product is different cost like every single aspect is still different as, as similar as it looks and so I think that's smart to still go through that and then the other thing is I could definitely see you know, having even sort of been on the other side of that when in-house like you kind of have someone come in, ask you a bunch of questions, and then they move on to the next one. And then, you know, as an individual, it does kind of leave you wondering, like, well, what did they get from that? Like, it was, you know, I've been doing this job for years, and that was a, you know, 30 minute or, or one hour conversation. Like, what do they extrapolate from that small slice? And so I think that's really smart to circle back and help people understand how their feedback ties to then sort of the bigger part to then to build the totally. buy That's really, really smart. Yeah, I mean, context and communication are often the overlooked most important categories of what you need to yeah. focus on in leadership is, you know, just because you have visibility doesn't mean that all the people around you have that visibility. And that's a yeah. really important reminder when it comes to how do you get buy-in is to get people to actually understand the why behind it. And often that why comes from them. Correct, yep. Yeah. And I also like that there's, you know, one of the other questions I had was just sort of like, how do you build conviction for yourself and for others in your plans? And it sounds like you kind of already answered that, which is there's the qualitative side uh, and sort of what people, the feedback and what people know, but then also you're looking at the customer research, you're looking at data and, and kind of building that there. So um, that's really smart. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, so beyond that, like how, um, how far out do you sort of make plans from, so you said for like first 90 days, but like, obviously, you know, a year in a startup can be a, a really long time. And mm -hmm. I don't know anyone that would really make like a five-year plan right out of the gate. But, um, I mean, do you kind of lay out another 
six months of kind of what you want to see happen or like how think how do you think about milestones or uh, guys kind of where do you go from from day 90 maybe through the the rest of the first year it's such a great question and the one thing i would be you know remiss if i didn't say is while you're working on that plan certainly any new leader you've got your quick wins that you also need to work on to make sure that you can just put out the fires where the fires are burning aggressively. And so I think it is balancing the, what are the things that we're working on right now that you can just help be a champion to keep them moving? And then what are the things that you need to look at? And so that's really coupling your short-term and your long-term strategies to go hand in hand with each other. A lot of it comes down to process, but I am a huge proponent of the process has to work for the people not the other way around. You know, you can't just put a process in place and say, we're going to build this full one-year plan and then we're going to stick to that plan and that's all we're doing. Uh, it's really starting to understand while you're building that 90-day vision when you're first walking in the door. At the same time, you're really understanding what exists right now and what are the things that the team really just needs in order to be able to champion their ability to move faster or to be able to get the buy-in that they need or to just help create focus. Because often in most businesses, especially when you're in that startup phase, there's never a shortage of things that you can do, but there's really only a couple things that you really have to do. And so it's figuring out what those things are and doing that in partnership with the rest of your marketing leadership team and with your entire leadership organization of the business to really get visibility into those North Star goals that you need to achieve. And so to answer your question, one thing that we'll definitely work on is that we'll always have an annual plan. And that annual plan is based on, one, the outcomes or the KPIs you're responsible for. And so whether that's for your performance marketing goals, which are very tangible, acquisition between paid acquisition and non-paid organic or content um, specifically, but then there's also your brand goals that align to your overall goals within the market, your impressions, awareness, how you're driving people to your website. Um, There's your, for us, product marketing goals, which align to adoption and engagement and really helping create more um, stickiness within our product. Uh, And then you've got just your operational goals as a whole. You know, how are we continuing to grow and thrive and, um, you know, finally our people goals. And so we look at all of those together and we say, do we have the foundation to help us achieve those goals? Yes or no. You know, where we don't, what are the big bets that we need to put in place that we believe are the things that if we put a stake in the ground and we start executing those, they're going to help make up that gap um, in order to start to move faster. And then we have the debate, you know, do we have the right things in place? And so we'll always come up with, and, and I say we as in, you know, both at the role I have at Bitly, but also other marketing leadership teams I've worked on, you know, you've got your annual vision, but often your your goals might change, new information might come in, the market might be doing what the market's doing, where there's a lot yeah. of uncertainty coming in. And so every quarter we'll kind of come up with a vision and and Business-wise at Bitly, we actually do it in 1H and 2H, but look at it quarterly of here's our business priorities for the first half of the year. Here's what this is going to look like at the quarter. And then at the end of the quarter, we revisit, okay, did we say what we said we were going to do? Were they the right things? Are they getting us the right outcomes? And then we're flexible. We'll relook at budgets. We relook at priorities and we start to revisit our roadmap. And so marketing has a roadmap much like product does. And we'll try to stick to that as best as we possibly can. But if new things come in, then it just becomes a debate of what comes out in order to make the space to execute with rigor, but also not be so locked in to your point on 
you know, things are constantly moving and we've got to move with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I think it's, in my opinion, one of the most challenging parts of leading a function or, you know, an entire marketing team or, you know, for CEOs of, of larger companies, just the entire company is, it is such a, there's so many like dependencies across teams and different projects and the foundational elements and, um, that just trying to plan out for a year or even you know, half a year or a quarter, like everything has to be done while not being so rigid that you can't adapt to, you know, the economy doing something or, uh, on the positive side, just a big opportunity. If you have a competitor shutting down or, you know, something like that, like, um, it's, it's definitely a complicated ongoing thing and sometimes feels like the moment you get your plan set and start to execute, it's time to start. <laughs> Almost always a hundred percent. That's what happens. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And I will say the part that that becomes really important is your cross-functional collaboration. And yeah. so, you know, right now at Bitly, for example, we're very product led. And my number one partner is our chief product officer, Kelsey. And even as of, you know, last Friday, a couple of days ago, Kelsey and I were sitting down and we're prepping for 2H planning that we're going to do with the rest of our global leadership team, because our alignment is so dependent on each other's ability to move and execute. If we're doing pricing testing within the product, we need to also be thinking about how we're going to do that with the website, what that's going to look like in app um, yeah. and how big of a priority that is. And so I think that cross-functional alignment is just so critical to, regardless if you're product-led, if you're sales-led, if you're marketing-led, to make sure that you've got the same goals and that you're all aligned in the same big ideas because that's where it really tends to fall down is marketing could have your great ideas, but if we're not aligned with product, then, you know, our, our, that's when the entire plan goes out the window because we have to be in partnership. Yep. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense and is definitely a, a challenging thing ongoing. But I also think, you know, for any companies that are not, how many people are at Bitly? We have roughly 300. 300 yeah. So, yeah, I mean, any companies that are, you know, maybe still like 30 to 100 employees, um, I think that really becomes a time when you can start to build in a lot of of those good habits and like um, rather than you know growing from thirty to a hundred, hundred to two hundred, being a time when you start to have more silos and isolation that you're you know creating early iterations of cross functional leadership teams and and some of those things that really help a lot with kind of how you you build the foundations for the, the communication and working together and planning together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so a big part of this, you know, especially when you come in uh, to a company, kind of figure out what the strategy is, what the vision is. Uh, a big part of that is that sometimes uh, that current team isn't necessarily um, the team that you need to execute on that. And so, um, would love to kind of hear how you go about, like how you decide where to grow the team in-house versus outsourcing. Ooh, it's such a great question. And I actually think it's a really important question right now, especially because a lot of what we've been looking at at Bitly is we're, we're very lucky that as a product and as a brand, we're continuing to grow, especially with what we've been seeing in the market, but we won't take that for granted. 
and certainly don't know what's going to continue to happen within the market. And so we're now so looking more to outsourcing than we are to even hiring full-time um, staff for a couple of reasons. I mean, one is that we're growing so quickly that we have to move fast. And often one of the things I'll look at is it's not about, you know, do you or don't you have the people that are able to do it? Like I will say, and Nate, we've been lucky enough to work together in businesses similar when you're growing at the rate that some SaaS organizations grow, you're never going to have enough people or enough skills in order to be able to achieve all the things that you need to do. Yeah. And so part of it is balancing. What do you have the skills for in-house? You know, the people that are growing, you want to make sure that you've got good growth trajectory in place for them, growth paths, that they're getting the right education and training to continue to sharpen their skills because they're growing along with you. And then yeah. also... How do you balance achieving the goals that you've got responsibility around making sure that the company grows? As Bitly, we're you know, completely marketing and product-led. 99% of our revenue comes in starting from our website and then grows within the customer base. And so you know, everything is very dependent on our ability to achieve those KPIs and performance goals that we're working on. And so a lot of it is at that growth stage, finding people like yourselves in 10 speed that, you know, are trusted that, you know, are going to do great work and help get you there a lot faster and can also work alongside your in-house team to then compound your ability to grow. And yeah. so the few things I look at is how quickly do we need to get there? Is it something that it's a matter of training and helping support your internal team? Or is it a matter of just moving really, really fast? And often if it's a matter of moving really, really fast, I would much prefer find a trusted agency or a consultant that you know can come in and just hit the ground running and be able to work alongside your team so that you're compounding your ability to move at a much faster rate. And then yeah. in the situation right, that the, the world is in right now, we are not a growth at all cost business. And so we want to make sure that we're being smart with our overall investments and able to move quickly and also able to continue to grow up our team at the speed that we need to, but not being in a position that, you know, we're seeing so many of our partners across the industry going through right now. And so yeah. we're leaning a lot more towards consultants or agencies that we know. Um, and the big thing I would say is what we look for in agencies, you know, not to keep keep saying how wonderful you all are at 10 speed. Um, I'll stop you. But that's, I mean, and I will, I'll bring you, I'll bring yeah. you all anywhere. I mean, we've yeah. had the pleasure to work together in multiple brands, but it's yeah, partially you. because you all embed yourself into the business. You understand our business, you're communicative, you bring great results. And I've seen that across the board, both in-house, but also outsourcing. And, you know, the companies that you work with, it's the people that, you know, regardless of whether they're outsourced or in-house, that they're going to treat the brand the same way then yeah. it really doesn't matter if they're a full-time employee or if they're a consultant or an agency and more about how are you all working together to achieve your goals. And that, yeah. that there is, you know, basically the things that I balance when I look at how can we move. And I'd almost always lean towards trusted agency and consultant to help us figure it out and then bring on the full-time, you know, resources when we've got a little bit more stability. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, one thing you brought up that, reminded me of just some of my experiences. If you've ever been in a company that had a single, like a, at one time, a new hire cohort of more than 10 people even. I mean, I mean, obviously if you're at a huge company already, but um, I don't know what the percentage would be, but if you're bringing in a, a 10 to 20 people at one time, 
and doing that every two weeks or every four weeks, um, it's not like it's all purely additive um, in terms of you know, the speed in which you need to hit goals because it does sort of introduce a lot of, you know, now the existing team isn't just getting, you know, support and reinforcement. It's like, well, now we have to meet with new people. We have to like train people. We have to get people up to speed, like, you know, answer their questions and, and, you know, incorporate their ideas and, and just a lot of stuff that is definitely good. And I'm in no way, you know, pushing against in-house because I think there's a, a ton of benefits of in-house, but um, just what you're saying about like the speed of your goals and where you need to get to, I think that that sort of brought to mind some of those experiences of like large cohorts come in and multiple people at one time. It, it definitely puts a bit of a, a workload on the existing in-house team to totally to that. I, th- I would call it an and both. And I think yeah. it really depends on how quickly you need to grow to what we were saying. And then also, um, you know, what do you need to do to continue to build the momentum? And so when I think about using content or SEO as an example, um, we know that we need to continue to build our team and we have an amazing in-house team. At the same time, we've got a huge opportunity and organic and unpaid acquisition is massive for Bitly and we need to just move faster. And, you know, when you think about it as a, you know, marketing leader, it takes over six months to get a full-time hire fully operational and up to speed. And that's assuming that you've hired that person, often finding the right hire, especially right now where I've never seen demand like this in the economy and where there's a lot of amazing talent out there right now looking for opportunities. It can take upwards of three months to get somebody into a position, then they've got to give notice if they're at a curtain job or they want to take time off. And then sometimes it's several months before they even start. And then it is a six month ramp before they're really making an impact versus if you bring on an agency and maybe you spend a little bit more right up front, but you see that impact within a month of starting to work together. And so I will often, especially for areas like non-paid and organic, look at both of those and think, okay, well, we're going to need additional people on our team. We also need to move quickly and when you find a great agency to work with, you know that that's part of the way that you're setting it up from the beginning. So you can move yep. quickly and also be strategic with your hiring without feeling like you're consistently behind, which is often the case if you're just waiting to get that person in seat. Yep. So my last question around some of this is like, I, I definitely understand the the logic and kind of the process in which you go through. Whether some of that leads to in-house hires, agencies, contractors, a combination. How do you ensure success with like the change management internally with in-house, but then also saying, Hey, now, like now you have your in-house roles, but also you're going to partner with these external resources and sort of this hybrid work structure. Um, how do you ensure success with the, the change management? It's such a great question. I mean, a lot of it comes back to, what we first talked about, the way that you think about onboarding and understanding the opportunity. Generally, I mean, I think if I'm coming in the door as the CMO or the marketing leader and saying, here's the thing, now go do the thing, I am doing a terrible job. You know, a lot of the decision needs to come from hearing from my content team to keep on that theme and saying like, hey, we need help. Like we just, we need some additional help. We need some additional support. And then partnering together to help understand that this is a decision that we're making together. And this is an area where I'm serving the team to help 
move in the direction that we need to. And so, you know, first and foremost, it is making sure that you're aligned with what your business needs. And that's both your team and then also the rest of the business. If it's something that maybe your team isn't asking for, but you see the opportunity is something that you need to do. It's still critically important that you communicate that and you get the buy-in from your internal team before yeah. you bring somebody in. Because at the end of the day, you know, you want whoever you're bringing in to help your business succeed to also be successful. And if you don't have that communication right up front, then your internal team isn't going to be aligned and they're not necessarily yeah. also going to be bought in. And so the internal buy-in is critical before you bring in anybody externally. Um, the other part of that that I'd say outside of the communications, it's your data, it's your, you know, your goals and to showcase why behind it. And so if you see in your goals that there's a gap in how you're going to achieve them and this is how you think that you can do it, then that's part of what needs to be in that communication component. And then as you're yeah. working with bringing somebody on, that there is visibility on this is what success looks like as we work together. And so that you've got that shared goal and shared understanding. Um, and that's where I was saying treating whether you're an agency or a consultant or an in-house team member all as one part of the team with one shared goal is what keeps not only that buy-in going, but it also starts to build the, okay, I understand why we made this investment and why we need to continue to make this investment. So a lot of it, especially in marketing, always comes down to your outcomes and having visibility and then also making sure that those outcomes are aligned with um, consistent and ongoing communication and visibility. Yep, cool. Uh, I I think that makes a lot of sense. We, we had... Um... I think at the beginning of this year, 2023, we started um, for for um, some of the or like a larger clients. We started doing QBRs uh, as part of like kind of baked into the services, and um, I think that's been helpful because it is sort of that quarterly. So, sorry, if you don't know what QBRs are, it's quarterly business review. Uh, just sort of a what's what's going well, where do we need help, how do we you know keep making progress forward type of of meeting, um, some data, a lot of conversation. And, um, I think it kind of fits well with what you were just saying there at the end, which is like, it, it tends to be a good alignment of like, wait, let's get out of the, the tactical a little bit and talk about what's going on in the business. What's like just giving us much, much more context on where we fit in. Um, and, you know, understanding that combination of in-house and contractors and agencies and, um, just having a, a really healthy conversation around that, I think, is is uh, very effective. I love that. And I, I'd even go so far as um, we do the same thing in-house. And I think that's part right. of where we were talking about ongoing communications. Like, I absolutely love when any agencies that we're working with, um, but also our internal team members, do those QBRs because then what it gives me is kind of that high-level view of what's going on in the different areas of the business. And then often those QBRs are what we'll take to our board meetings. Yeah. Um, and just a snippet, right? Not all of it, but a snippet of that information to show the full story. And I think that's that part of how you get that buy-in together with your internal team, as well as some of the decision you're making that you're doing, because it helps people see the strategy end to end. So that's that, I mean, that's awesome. I love to hear that. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to move on to... Oh, in a second, I'm going to move on to the like the final four questions we have. But before I do, is there anything else you want to say on this topic? Any other advice you'd have for marketing leader joining a new company? Um, 
Yes. I think the first piece of new advice that I would give to any new marketing leader joining a company, you don't really get the time after you've joined, after a while, to be able to take that very early stage listening tour and time to really consume and understand the product, the competition, the market, the more that you onboard and the more that you get ingrained into the business, uh, the more that you just get stuck in the weeds and the day-to-day. And so what I found having gone through this a few times now is uh, people, when you join, are going to want you to do things right away and they'll have visibility into, you know, oh, you know, when Tara joins, this is what we're going to do. And so even when I joined Bitly, there were a lot of people coming in expecting me to have immediate answers. And I would say my biggest piece of advice is if you're a marketing leader, you have the right to say, no, not right now. Like I need to make sure I'm intentional with my listening or how we're going to balance it because that is your time to really go in and and spend the time in the strategy because that gets harder as you continue to go in. So take that time, even if the time feels incredibly impossible to take, take that time and be intentional, pick up the first 90 days if you haven't ever read that book, because it's a super helpful read to think about how you can tackle a job. You're welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to help answer questions, but I think it's really, really important that marketing leaders bring that intentionality in at day one, because that will set you up for not just your starting strategy, but really getting strong alignment across the business on your why, which has years worth of incremental, you know, successes that come out of it. Yeah. Great advice. Uh, Cool. So then let's move to the uh, final four questions. So move fairly quickly. uh, And I know you kind of already got these ahead of time. So um, we'll start with the first one, uh, which is uh, what's a recent success or learning that you'd like to share? Um, so I guess a recent success that I'm very excited about, we just launched our new brand campaign, um, imagine the possibilities, get it, mm-hmm. play on yeah, words. Um, and what's really exciting is that we're starting to use customer data in the value driven stories that we have in our brand campaign and getting that live. And probably one of the biggest learnings with this one is, you know, when I, when I first came on, we were actually outsourcing to a creative agency to work on an overall brand campaign. And we made the decision to bring that on in-house to work with our creative team and start to build that up. And it's just been really exciting to see the progress that the team has been making and invest in you know, where we're bringing in outside partners versus where we're gonna continue to build up our own team. And so I think the learning on that one is, it actually goes back to a previous question on how do you decide what you're outsourcing versus what you're insourcing. And I wouldn't say it was the decision to bring it on in-house. It was more that the agency we were working with before wasn't bought in to who we were and weren't a very strong partner. And so, you know, having the team kind of rethink a lot of that and putting together a campaign that everyone's really, really proud of. What's so exciting is we're starting to get outreach from people, you know, at Forbes and large magazines just saying like, wow, this is such a cool campaign. How do we get involved? Um, And that's really a result of the work that our team did and just kind of rallying and rolling up their sleeves and putting it together. So that was very exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, For Bitly, what role does content play in the overall strategy? Oh my gosh, all the things, like all the things, <laughs> literally all of it. Uh, I mentioned before that content specifically our you know, unpaid organic uh, channel is just massive for Bitly. And I remember, Nate, we talked about this when I told you I was 
joining the Bitly team and kind of looked up the domain authority and all of the opportunities within Bitly. And it's just, I mean, Bitly is a well-known brand and no surprise content makes up 90% of our overall acquisition funnel. And we really haven't done a massive amount of, you know, content optimization overall or really starting to ramp up. And we're going really big into that right now. And I would say that goes beyond even search engine optimization and into the brand space, into how we're thinking about product marketing, into how we're thinking about all of the other products that, you know, Bitly owns as a whole. And so we just brought on a new head of content. We also have a full search engine team that includes a localization team um, and starting to think about how we ramp up. We're obviously partnering with all of you and thinking about content holistically. And what's exciting is that we've barely gotten started in the opportunity that we have ahead of us, but we're still already seeing you know, 90% acquisition funnel an extremely fast growing brand. So I would say as a whole, I mean, content Content is the future of how we're going to continue to build the Bitly brand and the connections platform and um, excited to lean in a lot more there. Yeah. Awesome. Um, how does Bitly measure success? Sorry. How does Bitly measure success for you and your team? Everything's really KPI driven. And so we use OKRs. So, you know, objectives and key results in the way that we look at the overall business and there's the company wide OKRs, and then each department ladders into them. And so I would say at the company-wide level, what we look at first and foremost is our acquisition numbers, which is, you know, performance marketing, everything from how many, you know, signups do we want for paid acquisition? How many signups do we expect for our non-paid acquisition down to conversion and paid to, or, you know, sign up to paid acquisition. So those are your traditional kind of marketing acquisition KPIs that we look at for brand um, because we're focused right now on starting to grow our brand beyond just short links and um, QR codes is one of the biggest and fastest growing products in the market. We aren't known as much for that. And so how we're measuring success with brand is around market awareness and starting to do aided and unaided reports that we're looking at biannually to look at the overall growth within our, our paid acquisition And then product marketing, I mentioned this earlier, um, but we actually are looking at multi-product adoption as the number one metric specifically for product plus marketing KPIs um, so that we can start to see multiple products being used, which is a stickiness and then shows, you know, better net dollar retention. Yeah, that's great. That's very uh, robust and makes sense to kind of cover those areas. It always makes me happy when it's, it's not so heavily indexed on like um sort of just like brand and awareness but also not just purely performance and short-term view and there's a good good balance there yeah definitely and i think it's really important that each team has their balance in kpis and then collectively as a department we look at those together yep cool and then the last one uh what's your least favorite marketing conversation happening across social channels right now and why yeah, I mean, you shared this with one before with me before, and I struggle with it. So I'd say it's it's two. My least favorite, like if there's a least favorite of a least favorite of all the least favorites, it's the layoffs that are happening in the market. Oh yeah, um, yeah. it's just horrible. I mean, the amount of people that I know or people that I know that know somebody that's been impacted either mm-hmm. themselves or at a company, um, it's just something that you know we're seeing still coming up every day and every week. And it's, it's just painful. 
to see and to watch. And my empathy triggers in every direction are, <sighs> yeah. you know, they're just they're just going out there. Um, and that, interestingly enough, coupled with my second least favorite, and it's not a least favorite at all by any means because I am actually really jazzed about it, but I'm nervous about it is just AI because mm. there's so much happening right now and the amount that that technology has grown over the course of the last couple of months is it's just mind boggling. And so it's a hard, I wouldn't say it's a least favorite because, you know, if you're not looking at AI right now and you're not thinking about it as a, a marketer or B, if you're in, you know, SaaS, and you're not thinking about it as a product, then you're already behind the times, but mm -hmm. it's also so overwhelming. I was at mm -hmm. a dinner last week with a bunch of uh, chief marketing officers from a bunch of like very notable brands and everybody was talking about ways that they're using AI. And, you know, one person has a 10 person team that's running their entire business on AI already at this point. And so the mm -hmm. impact of how that's going to continue to grow in the market and the ways that we need to shift and move with rapid innovation, um, it's pretty mind boggling and overwhelming um, to your point on, on the social networks, because you look on yeah. social and it's every conversation. I want to read every article but we also have our jobs to do and all the other things we need to work on. So it's a bit yeah. overwhelming. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's definitely a fast evolving cycle because this has been probably the most common answer to this question since you know the beginning of the year was um, AI. But I do think we we're already you know early in the year it was very annoying um, because of you know it was just sort of like people who were you know overnight experts and just a lot of like doom and gloom and, you know, all this stuff. And I think um, we're at least past that part, which I think was the most annoying, but you're right that there's still just like the, the fire hose of opportunities and content and everything and, and articles and all kinds of stuff. It's just too much to, not too much. I, I don't know. It's just a lot to, to keep up with. Yeah. And, and that's exactly you're right. right. There's importance there. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, notable. But you know, for me, having had many people answer that question with with AI, I think that stands out to me as like I do think it's already kind of shifted, even just in the last few months a bit in terms of what exactly the sentiment is around it. So, yeah, I um, feel like what I'm looking for right now is just a trusted list of these are the things that you should read and these are the things that you should be picking up because to your point, it's a fire hose of content consumption right yeah. now and trying to stay on top of all of that while also managing the influx of how you yourself are going to pivot because we absolutely yeah. need to. And it's cool. Like, it's really cool. We play around with AI almost every day and yeah. jumping in and spitting things out and seeing things coming back and to hear how other brands are starting to, but even how, you know, engineers are using AI and how they're speeding up oh, yeah. product development. Like, it's so fascinating. Um, but I almost need a like roadmap of like, this is what you need to look at. This is what yeah. you should be reading. Yeah. Well, uh, lucky for you, I have a course for sale. Oh, I will check that out. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, On it. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, this has been a, a lot of fun and I appreciate all the, the insight you shared around, again, sort of just building the, the vision and the strategy for a company when you come in and then, and then building the team around it. And there's a lot of great insights. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing um for anyone who does want to um check out bitly or find you on social like where should they where should they look yeah so bitly is just you know bitly.com so check out our website um, but if you do want to connect with me directly all of my social handles are just at tara e robertson 
Um, so feel free to connect with me directly, Twitter or LinkedIn, and excited to, to have some conversations. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and thanks for, for listening. Um, if you want to check out more episodes, visit 10speed.io slash podcast. You can find all past episodes there and please like and subscribe to get any of the future content. Thanks right. for joining today. Thank you so much.